0: Welcome to Mama Mystery. I am your host, Kelly, and this is my co host and handsome husband.
1: Ooh, Austin. Austin. (laughs) Austin
0: I don't know why I said that. Anyways,
1: hello, everybody.
0: (laughs) Alright, so before we get started, I want to give a few shout outs to our newest Patreon members. So I owe a huge thank you to Jennifer Allen, Jessica Baker, Mandy Jeffers, Brooke Bauer, Shippany Robertson, Lacey Barnett, Iris Morabito, which I think is like such a cool name. What is it? Iris Morabito.
1: That's a cool name.
0: It's a just it's just a cool name. Yeah. Lindsay Heinrich, hey girl. Bethany Tedro, which she has a cool Instagram name, Betty Teddy. So cute. I love Dope. that. And my girl, Ashley Venema. You girls are awesome. I am so thankful f- for your loyalty to me and this show. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And you can expect a special treat in the mail this week. How
1: about that? Yay. Fancy, huh?
0: We're fancy around here now. This is only our 28th or 29th episode.
1: I don't know, something like We're that. We're
0: just tacking them on. Swag. Left and right. Swag.
1: Two a week, Mondays and Fridays, folks.
0: That's right. All right. What are we talking about? So today we are talking about the disappearance of Lauren Spearer. Speer? Spearer. Spear. Okay. Yes. So this story begins in Bloomington, Indiana, which is the home of Indiana University. Lauren Spearer was a student at the college studying textiles merchand- merchandising, which is like a fashion, aspect of fashion. Okay. She was born in 1991 to Charlene and Robert and grew up in Scarsdale, New York, which is like a really sweet, quaint little well-to-do town in lower Westchester County. In this town, everyone knew everyone. Many of the people there went to the same synagogue. Uh, It was like apparently kind of a Jewish community, mostly Jewish, or at least that's kind of the vibe I got. Um, And it was only 30 miles north of metropolitan New York City, she was very active in the Jewish community at IU and spent one of her spring breaks planting trees in Israel on behalf of the Jewish National Fund. Wow. So while most students are like living it up during spring break, she's planting trees in Israel for her Jewish community. So I feel like that really spoke to her character, in yeah, my opinion. That's she interesting. Seems like a good, responsible girl.
1: For sure.
0: So Lauren was only 4'11" had blonde hair, blue eyes. She was very vibrant, sweet, cute, according to those who knew her. She had a really big personality for being such a tiny little person. And that's how a lot of people remember her. Being only 4'11", that's pretty short. So I Mm -hmm. think it probably stuck out to people who knew her when she was introduced to people. She was not shy. She was very outgoing and personable. So she made a big impact on everyone she met. Interesting. According to Lauren's father, she was the type of daughter who would call her mother every day. So this was like a very tight-knit family. She was super close with her family. They sent And they sent her to IU because they knew she'd be safe there. And they felt like it was a place where she could really thrive. So she enrolled at Indiana University in 2009. And she was a junior at the college when she finished up a semester and went out to celebrate with some friends... Um, before she was expected to return home to Scarsdale. So not uncommon for people to, like, go and celebrate the end of the semester. Right. Blow off some steam after finals.
1: Absolutely.
0: So on Thursday, June 2nd, she was, like, pre-gaming with some friends, and they went out that night. Okay, so on Friday, June 3rd, the next day of 2011, Lauren's boyfriend, Jesse Wolf, became concerned that he hadn't heard from Lauren since the night before. He had been texting and calling her, but she wasn't responding, and she wasn't at her apartment. And real quick, I want to add that he, um, that Thursday night, was at home watching the NBA Finals, and like he did not go out with Lauren or any other friends. He texted her, good night, said they would talk the next day. and he was texting with his dad that night as well. So he was definitely at home watching the NBA Finals that night.
1: and she just went to bars.
0: She went out with some friends, yeah,
1: dude. Any idea where bars, clubs?
0: Some yes, and we'll get to that. We'll get okay. to those details. So finally, he calls her phone again and someone picks up, but it isn't Lauren. It's someone who works at Kilroy's sports Bar. And this person says, yeah, she left her phone here. And so he calls Rebecca, Lauren's sister, and then she contacts her parents. And they fly in that same day to begin searching for Lauren because they realize pretty instantly, like, this is not normal. This is very concerning. Like, we got to figure out where she's at.
1: And I think that's how it should be. Like yeah. some of these cases, I think it's really, it's always suspicious and weird when the family's like, well, we hadn't heard from them for 40 hours and we just thought, what, whatever, maybe, or I don't know, this concern level is not high yeah, and they don't call the police right away. I always think that's sketchy.
0: Well, and it's hard too, because a lot of times they get um, turned away by law enforcement because they'll say like, oh, you know, it's not really missing persons. It's like the case of Kara mm-hmm. Kapetsky that we went over a few weeks ago when the mom went to the police, they assumed she was just a runaway and that's right. how they treated it. So they didn't um the family didn't get a whole lot of support from law enforcement. So right. I had to see it go go both ways.
1: I had an employee who didn't show up for a oh 10 A. M. job
0: mm-hmm. shift.
1: And yeah. a 10 AM shift and it was unlike him, very out of character. And it turned into like a freaking live mama mystery investigation. We were going to we found out where he lived. We were reaching out to his girlfriend who also hadn't heard from him. We found out his apartment address we got his landlord involved We went over there to do a wellness check like so I just say that because like you know he was off the radar for mm-hmm. several hours whenever he Wasn't supposed to when he was supposed to be somewhere, and like we would have known immediately. And like, probably if he wasn't there, he ended up being sleeping. (laughs) If he wasn't there, though, yeah, he was was sleeping, he
0: was just asleep. Yeah, he wasn't home, he was, yeah,
1: but but I'm just saying, like, that triggers a lot of what the hell immediately. Yeah, so it's nice to hear a story where they actually take action immediately,
0: yeah, and they realize like this is so out of character. There's something wrong. Yeah,
1: that. because that's how I react.
0: And I would rather be safe than sorry.
1: Hell yeah, get the police involved as soon as possible, not wait. Well, we didn't hear from him for three days, so we finally contacted the police. That's weird.
0: Yeah, and often also in abductions, those initial hours really matter. Like when someone disappears it, and you don't know how they go missing, yeah. 48 hours. The first 48. The first 48. Isn't yeah. that like a huge deal? Yeah, because that's... Like not
1: there some statistic a like... a
0: crucial timeline yeah. to... You know, either find the person alive or also gather in- evidence. Mm-hmm. It's very crucial. So, um, so like I said, her parents flew in that same day to begin searching for Lauren. And by Monday, this was like a huge local story, and tons of people were out searching for Lauren. They're searching dumpsters, alleyways, wooded areas. Literally everywhere they can think of to look, they are looking. By Tuesday, the story began to garner national coverage. A Twitter account was created to find Lauren, and celebrities like Scott Baio, Blake Shelton, Ryan Seacrest, and Kim Kardashian were all sharing these tweets about Lauren Missing.
1: So how did they garner so much attention so fast? You
0: know, I don't know, and I I hate to sound, you know, like... I know there's a lot of things that are racially charged these days, but part of me has to wonder if it's because she's this cute little blue-eyed, blonde-haired girl, college student, like... I don't know. I just feel like her appearance probably got, gathered a lot of attention. And there was a similar case that happened around the same time that didn't garner as much attention. And it's it's something called like uh, w- missing white girl syndrome or something like that, where you know the attention is hyper-focused on some cases where it includes like a young white girl.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, it's really unfortunate to say that because it just seems like statistically... That is kind of how it goes. Like these type of cases get a lot more attention for some reason.
1: A, a boy or a, a black person or anything like yeah, that.
0: Yeah, and I think that's people crazy. are becoming more aware. And so I hope that it's changing in the right direction. But, um, yeah, it, it just goes to show like this got a ton of national to ga- attention.
1: To garner national attention Within in two days. or three days. I mean, gosh, that's like marketing one one Like that's crazy.
0: Yeah. And I'm sure, I mean, her parents and her friends, I mean, in this community, it was a big deal. Everyone was out searching for her. Um, It just kind of snowballed. That's So during this time, police are holding daily press conferences to update people on the case. They announced that they do have surveillance footage of Lauren from that night, along with accounts from her friends. And the timeline looks like this. So... A little after midnight at 12.30 a.m., so we're now rolling into the early morning hours of Friday, okay? Witnesses reported that Lauren left her apartment with a friend named David Roan. The two went to Jay Rosenbaum's apartment, and she met with um, she met up with Corey Rossman, who was Jay's neighbor in the same apartment building. Lauren met Jay at summer camp, where she also met her boyfriend, Jesse. So she knew him for years, um, but she had just met Corey... A week earlier, at some like Indy 500 event, so she has known Jay for a while, but she has not known Corey for very long. At 1:46 a.m., Lauren is captured on surveillance footage entering Kilroy's Sports Bar with Corey Rossman. It's just the two of them. They stay there for about 45 minutes before they're seen on camera leaving the bar at 2:27 a.m. She accidentally left her cell phone and her shoes at the bar. There was a sand covered patio at this bar, and they were having like a beach theme night. So she took her shoes off to go on that patio. Although it's not really uncommon for girls to take their shoes off at the end of the night, especially when they've been drinking. Right. So I don't feel like that's super unusual.
1: But at, she probably was pretty damn drunk oh, if she forgot her phone and her yeah. sandals. And people or shoes.
0: recalled her being really inebriated, very drunk. Mm-hmm. So at this time, Corey and Lauren. Walk to her apartment complex. This walk was only about three minutes. She, her apartment complex was not far from Kilroy's. They run into a group of guys who know Lauren and who know her boyfriend, Jesse Wolf. Apparently, there was a bit of an altercation there, and one of those guys punched Corey in the face. The reason for the fight is still unclear. Nobody's come out and said exactly what it's about, but I have to wonder if these guys were maybe pissed that Lauren was hanging out with Corey mm-hmm. and maybe they were sticking up for their friend, Jesse, who was Lauren's boyfriend. Makes sense. Um, so, yeah, Corey gets punched in the face and he has alleged since then that his memory is kind of fuzzy because he got punched in the face and he had also been drinking a lot that night. At 2.30 a.m., the cameras at her apartment complex, which was called the Smallwood Plaza Apartments, capture Lauren coming into her apartment complex, and at this point, a guy named Zach Oaks was passing by and noticed how drunk she was and asked if she was okay. So we have a witness who says he saw her. She was really kind of out of her mind, like Mm -hmm. stumbling, and apparently a witness also saw her fall so hard that she smacked her face on the pavement Ugh. like she was so drunk that her reaction time was super delayed. And you have to think this is a 411 95 pound girl. She's tiny, so Gosh. it probably doesn't take a lot to get her pretty drunk. Right. At 248 AM, she is seen leaving the apartments and she entered an alleyway that runs between College Avenue and Morton Street. She's seen by cameras coming out of this alleyway a few minutes later at 251, and she's walking towards an empty lot. Lauren's keys and purse were found along this route through the alley. Shortly after, Lauren and Corey are at Corey's apartment. At this point, Corey was so drunk that he vomited on the stairs to his apartment. His roommate, Michael Beth, was home at the time, working on a paper, and when Corey and Lauren came in, he stopped to take care of them. Mike says he put Corey to bed and urged Lauren to just spend the night there for her own safety, but that she declined, saying she really just wanted to go home. So at 3.30 a.m., Michael calls his neighbor, Jay Rosenbaum, who we mentioned earlier. These guys, like I said, live in the same apartment building, just a couple doors down from another. Mm -hmm. Michael was wanting Jay to come take care of Lauren because, you know, he's not planning on babysitting that night. Can't blame them. Like, he's calling in for reinforcements. Mm-hmm. But Lauren wasn't done partying yet, and apparently she wanted Michael to come with her to her place to drink more. He declines. He's not interested. She eventually went to Jay's apartment where he said he noticed that she had a bruise under one of her eyes. And she said she didn't know how she got the bruise, but it was assumed that maybe she fell earlier in the night, which we know she did, and we right. assume that's how she got it. Two calls were made from Jay's phone, but he said Lauren placed those calls since she accidentally left her phone at the bar earlier. She tried calling David Roan, who she was with earlier in the night. He didn't pick up. And then she tried calling another friend, but this pers- person didn't pick up either. This is
1: like 4 in the morning.
0: Uh, yeah, this is around 3.30 in the morning. And I find it kind of odd that... You know, she has Dave or uh, she has Jay's phone, but isn't it calling her boyfriend? That's what I
1: was thinking. But probably was if there was an altercation between Corey and the friends of mm-hmm. her boyfriend that night, maybe that's why she wasn't.
0: Right. And, you know, I, I kind of started getting the vibe that maybe her and her boyfriend were kind of fighting that night about her going out without him and going out with these other guys. Other guys, guys yeah. She never at any point was in a group of girlfriends, which I thought was kind of odd. Yeah. Um, And so, you know, maybe it's not unusual that she didn't try calling um, calling boyfriend. Jesse. But I also have to wonder, too, what if it actually wasn't her? What if it was Jay calling David from earlier in the night and Jay actually making a phone call to another friend? You know, we don't know for mm-hmm. sure that Lauren was actually the one making these phone calls. This is all just from Jay's recollections and his version of events. Right. So at 4.30 a.m., Jay says that Lauren left his apartment and that he watched her from his window. He says he saw her approach the intersection of 11th Street and College Avenue heading south, and that as soon as she turned that corner, she was gone, and that was the last time he saw her. And that is the last time anyone reported seeing Lauren.
1: No way.
0: Yeah. She was last seen wearing black leggings and a white shirt with no shoes. Oh, my gosh. Just disappeared. So, like I said earlier, the police were giving frequent press press conferences where reporters could come gather information to release to the public. But they were met with resistance as police wouldn't give a whole lot of details. They wouldn't release any names. They wouldn't tell reporters if any DNA samples or lie detector tests had been given. Almost every single question they asked, the police refused to answer. They said they weren't willing to compromise the integrity of the investigation, but at the same time, this was really limiting the, avail- or the ability for the public to really help because they had nothing to go off of. Mm-hmm. So on June 16th, two weeks after Lauren's disappearance, police release a photo of Lauren from that night. And Lauren's mom addresses the public, urging someone to come forward with any possible information they have to help bring Lauren home. In addition to that photo, they release a still image of a white truck that was passing by on the street in the location of where Lauren was apparently or allegedly last seen. The truck was first seen on surveillance around 4.14 a.m. and then again at 4.24 a.m. And this truck was seen in super close proximity and it appeared to be like circling the area. Um, So people start thinking maybe this was a possible abduction, but... The owner of the truck came forward saying he was dropping someone off, and it was also determined that there was a discrepancy with the surveillance footage, the timestamps. So it made it look like he was circling that area, but he actually wasn't. Mm -hmm. So he was cleared, not a person of interest, not a suspect, nothing. In August, two months later, police conducted a nine-day search, 12-hour days for nine days, a search in a landfill, about 60 miles away in Pimento, Indiana. This landfill is where trash from Bloomington is hauled and deposited. Lauren's parents were there assisting in the search. And I just want you to think about that for a second. These poor parents are now searching a landfill in hopes of finding their daughter or any clues that might lead them to her, which is just awful yeah, to think about. Horribly They're searching bad. through garbage.
1: Yeah. You're like giving up hope in a way. Well, you're like, like you're hoping to find a body for closure or something
0: right right yeah um ultimately nothing came of this search so here come some theories lauren had a rare heart condition called long qt syndrome which is essentially an irregular rhythm and she had to take medication for that so some people began to think that maybe she suffered from a medical event from having this condition and maybe drinking too much but if she did, in fact, leave Jay's place and suffered from a medical medical event, she should be found. Right. It wouldn't explain her just disappearing without also being abducted.
1: I feel like there has to be an abduction.
0: Yeah, there, like somebody knows something has to, because yeah.
1: otherwise you wouldn't have, like, you'd find her body.
0: You, yeah, she would be somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, and it, it wouldn't be hidden. Like right. she wouldn't just go hide herself. Right. So after Lauren disappeared, the boys that she was with that <sighs> night lawyered up fast. And this can be perceived multiple ways, one of which being guilt. But they were cooperative with police in that they gave DNA samples, um, but they would not do a lie detector test with the Bloomington police. However, um, they were super quiet at the advice of their lawyers. And this really frustrated Lauren's parents. Lauren's parents, at one point, hired a private investigator and also had lawyers of their own. So in an effort to get the boys to talk, They filed a civil lawsuit against the boys for criminal negligence and for supplying Lauren, a minor, with alcohol. But this case was ultimately dismissed by the judge because it wasn't the boys' responsibility to take care of Lauren that night. And it was also impossible to hold them responsible for something that they didn't know had happened. At this point, nobody knew where Lauren was, so to say what happened to her was just speculative at best. Which I... I I get I, it, it sucks. goes all
1: kinds of ways, but I personally, which mm-hmm. you can hate me for saying this, mm-hmm. I personally agree with that.
0: No, I, I mean like, I honestly do too. Because if you if you open that door, then where does it end? So it's, it,
1: I mean, everybody drinks underage, mm-hmm. and so like to a go lot after of some do. a lot yeah. of people. So to go after somebody for drinking for supplying alcohol to a minor, mm-hmm. whenever you were all drinking together, but or,
0: there's a difference between like supplying alcohol to a minor who then gets into a crash or then you know ods in your home or Mm -hmm. whatever but supplying alcohol to a minor and then that person disappears and there's no or to to hold they are to
1: hold these guys responsible like i sure hope they didn't have anything to do with it but i don't i don't know it's just tough to
0: yeah yeah i don't know so Lauren's parents have expressed their distrust for the boys' involvement with Lauren that night. Which
1: I can't blame them for that either. Can't blame like them. at all. Yeah, which sure so it's, I know that's opposite desperate. of what I just said, kind of. But no,
0: I mean I think you can have sympathy for the parents, but also have you know the logic to you know stick to the law mm-hmm. and think about how the law um, comes to play, which right, I don't because... always agree with either. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I absolutely. It goes a
1: hundred different ways. It's yeah. it's like totally one of those asterisk it's things. Very
0: frustrating. I feel like
1: everything with. Mama mystery podcasts and topics and and, and crime, mm-hmm. like every single thing has an asterisk to it mm-hmm. and and that's why like whenever we're doing an episode and you'll hear Kelly say, and I don't condone it or i don't I don't think that makes an excuse like, for it, like she's always saying these disclaimers, and I don't think it's necessary. I understand why you do it mm-hmm. because there's people out here that listen that'll get so judgmental, but like there there's just so many asterisks to every single thing yeah. that's said because. I could say one thing, and yeah, you could convince me the other way, and another way, and mm-hmm. another way, and another way on the same exact thing because mm-hmm. there's just asterisks to everything. Right.
0: And when there's no clear-cut answers, all that's left is assumptions mm-hmm. and guessing.
1: Absolutely. And there's
0: no 100% right answer because nobody really knows. Do
1: you agree with the law on this? Yeah. But can't you see it from this view and not agree? Yeah. 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 Well, can't you see this from this view, which is complete opposite of those two things? Well, sure. Yeah, I sure can. Like, you can put yourself in the shoes of mm-hmm. so many. Of
0: everybody. Yeah. Like, what if these boys really didn't have anything to do with it, and she really did walk off, walk off and really did get picked up by somebody, yeah. and then they're getting vilif- Excuse me, vilified mm-hmm. for being around her that night when they really had nothing to do with it? Like, what if?
1: Yeah, and what if, like, this is horribly sad to think about, what if I think of the, uh, um, which I want to cover this case. Because it's the one crime case I know about where the guy took those girls and they they lived in the house for like he had them boarded in the house oh, and like yeah. he bro- they broke out and you read a book years yes. ago. And I remember it so I think it like, happened in, like, I can destroyed. picture it. It was a crazy and they came out and they were screaming and mm-hmm. the neighbor was like a guy that heard them and yes. came and let them out and they'd been missing for years. Yes. Like that could be happening to this girl. She could be in somebody's yeah. basement. She could be getting sex trafficked. Like, and this is horribly sad. Like I'm
0: well, sure, but it's reality. But
1: like, this is, yeah. I mean, yeah, they, they,
0: these things do happen. Right. So shortly after Lauren disappeared, her boyfriend's parents came to swoop him up and take him home. Lauren and her boyfriend, Jesse, had been together since high school. So it kind of saddens me that he and his family didn't stick around to help search for Lauren longer. Jesse's dad, Alan, said he had Jesse take him to Corey's and that when Corey opened the door and saw Jesse's dad there, that Alan saw fear in his eyes. As far as where he thinks Lauren might be, though, Jesse's dad did not have any comment on that.
1: Which makes me think, again, that Jesse and her were in a fight from the night before. Yeah. Like, it just adds more validity to that. Has he said anything about that?
0: Yeah, there's more that comes from Jesse's mom, and it's, like, super sad. Let's hear it. I'll get there in just a second. Okay. So, um, his parents also say that they made him take an independent lie detector test just to be sure, and that he did pass it. But, I mean, again, this is word from them, you know, I don't know that this has been given to police or investigators or anything like that. It's just word from his parents. Lauren's parents repeatedly asked for Jesse Wolf, Corey Rossman, Mike Beth, and Jay Rosenbaum to come forward and take a police-administered lie detector test because they believe they know more than what they've led on, and they've even expressed their doubt in Jesse's story that he was sleeping that night. But the boys claim that they have taken private lie detector tests and passed, that they all have. So, two days before the second anniversary of Lauren's disappearance, Jesse's mom, Nadine, did an interview with the Journal News in Westchester County, New York. She chastised the Bloomington police, saying, I don't think they're very adept at anything except giving kids drinking tickets, and I don't trust them, period. But what really struck me when, um, when I was reading this was when she said that Lauren's parents are liars and even took a jab at Lauren, saying, this poor little girl is not with us today because of her drug abuse. She alleged that Lauren was asked to leave the summer camp where she met Jesse years earlier because of drug use, and Jay Rosenbaum told investigators that Lauren was drinking the night she disappeared, which we already knew, but he also came out and said that she also snorted cocaine and crushed up Klonopin tablets that night. When police searched her room, they did find a small amount of cocaine in her bedroom. Wow. So the motive here for the boys to dispose of Lauren's body in the event of an accidental overdose would be likely to avoid getting in trouble for having drugs on them. To me, this sounds like the simplest, most likely explanation, um, I don't believe that Jay saw Lauren leave his apartment because I don't think she ever did walk out of his apartment. And I find it really hard to believe that a guy, I mean, maybe I just, maybe he's just a shitty guy, but like what guy would just let a little woman <laughs> leave his apartment at four 30 in the morning and walk home by herself?
1: But was she seen on camera walking no. around the intersection? Or they just, they said that's no, the... No, this is
0: all just Jay's version and of And so it. the
1: last time she was saw on camera, seen on camera...
0: Was going into the apartment, apartment complex.
1: Apartment complex, whenever the neighbor saw them and asked if she was okay. Yes. Which was what, 3? 3.30? Yeah. can remember somewhere three. around there. So the next hour is sort of hearsay.
0: Exactly. Yeah. It's according to Jay.
1: And so In have Georgia, they searched like... Uh, lakes waterways different things like that
0: yeah and there's been no sign of her at all
1: and they searched that landfill
0: and they searched the landfill um so and i will say i want to touch on the drug thing because i feel like when she came out with this information it really it seems like it was a vicious attack at her character and I just want to point out, even though it's been 10 years since I've been in college, and I'll admit I was never a really big partier. I can probably count on like two hands the number of times I partied in college because I was kind of a loser. But hearing about drug use that occurs on college campuses, and even in high schools, as though it's just like common practice, is pretty shocking to me, but apparently it is pretty common.
1: I think it's common. Yeah.
0: Yeah, So, you know, to, to color out or try to paint her as this like drug addict, I think is really um insensitive and I think there's a
1: lot of people who are good people who stumble into bad things whether it be an addiction and or they're just partying like I know like this is crazy to say but I know a handful of people who do cocaine when they get party and I'm not like close with those people that's just not who I surround myself with but I know of people like that yeah and so yeah it doesn't mean that she was
0: a bad person yeah and so I just feel like when they were really trying to get the attention off of them and put it on Lauren, as if it's Lauren's fault that she's missing, or I mean, she blatantly says that the reason Lauren's not here is because she had a drug problem. And It's, it's like, so Ooh, crazy. That is really yeah. Mean. That's a
1: bad dig. It's so crazy. I don't like. I guess before I say what I think happened, what do you think happened? You're the host.
0: I personally, in my opinion, and I say this, you know.
1: You don't have to ask. Yeah, there's asterisks on everything, people. Yeah, there's asterisks on everything, everybody. If you listen this far, you like us enough to listen and keep listening.
0: My opinion, I think she probably partied a little too heavy. Maybe she really did overdose, and the boys freaked out, probably drunk themselves or whatever, and didn't know what to do with her, so they, they took her somewhere. So. There is a theory around um, Bloomington. Apparently, this is like a common rumor, was that she was dumped in a construction site where they were building these new apartments or condos or something, Mm -hmm. and that she's like buried under this condo complex because it was built that same year. So it was like construction that was going on. I mean, that's just a theory, a rumor that has swirled around that town. That's crazy. You would think that like when
1: they're digging up stuff, they would find her. It'd be a horrible place to put her.
0: Yeah, you would think in a site where people are working every day. Yeah, and then there was another rumor that she was dumped in the Ohio River. So you you think though that the the
1: guys freaked out? Yes. And what did they do with her?
0: I think they got rid of her somehow. Maybe they put her in the Ohio River. Maybe they hid her body somewhere. But I do think really. So you think it was the guys that was with her? I do. Interesting. That's my opinion, and I know I could be totally wrong. I don't know these guys from Adam, so it doesn't matter to me. But I just think that. You know, I'm just a type of thinker, though, that's like, usually the simplest explanation is the truth. You know, I'm not one to think that, like, I don't believe too much in big, complicated conspiracy theories. I would feel like the likelihood of her disappearing that night by from being abducted is slim. Uh, See, I, mean, I don't, I don't,
1: I, I'm more heir to the side of, they were drunk and stupid, and they did let her go. Mm-hmm. Terrible judgment, let mm-hmm. this little cute four eleven girl yeah. wasted leave the house that's been on drugs and everything mm-hmm. you know chicks chicks Anybody. and guys get crazy and stupid when so I can see yeah I'm literally making crying. this up in my head, okay, but maybe they're in the apartment arguing and she's saying no I'm fucking leaving
0: mm-hmm. or yeah. whatever,
1: and so'
0: that does happen who too.
1: knows, and so she leaves, and so I almost tend to think maybe she walked around that corner and started walking home, and somebody took her yeah and She's either still alive somewhere, which is insane. That's my least likely thing, I think, in my head.
0: Yeah, I don't think it's likely. But it's more
1: likely that she got killed in this somewhere. God, it's uh, missing to me. I think it's all so tough. And, like, if you don't listen often, or if this is your first time listening, I don't typically tend to, like, like crime stuff, whereas Kelly's the crime junkie. Mm -hmm. And then she's, but I like listening to her tell me the stories. That's why I'm here because I do enjoy it now, but I don't, like, I think that the just missing, pure missing people never get to have any closure mm-hmm. of wondering where they're, and you forever have to wonder, I think that's the worst. Yeah.
0: Because, like, in, in my night- head, nightmares. I have these
1: nightmares. I would have, like, thinking about it, I have these, like, nightmares of, like, uh, they show up someday on your doorstep, debtors. I don't know, crazy scary stuff. Yeah, like, just
0: the not knowing, knowing anything is possible. It's just it's such like, a tragedy. You know, we disagree on what could have happened, but either one is perfectly plausible. And horrible. And absolutely horrible. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I just, I don't know. If you would have asked me this before being on this podcast for the last few months, I would not know a damn thing, and I'd say, um, I, I don't know what I'd say, but I just know now I would say, I can't believe they haven't found her if she is dead somewhere.
0: Yeah. So in 2013, Lauren's class graduated without her, and they did acknowledge her during their ceremony. On April 24th of 2015, Hannah Wilson, another IU student, went missing after being seen at the same bar that Lauren was at that night, which was killed. That's
1: crazy. See, that's wild.
0: But listen... Hannah was drinking that night after acing her final exam that allowed her to graduate. So again, she's celebrating. She got a little too intoxicated, so her friends called her a cab to take her home. Her friends watched her get into the cab alone and drive away. But the next morning, friends found the door to her house wide open. Her cell phone and purse were sitting on her bed, but her bed didn't appear to be slept in. So it appears that she like made it all the way inside. And then left. And then left. See? Whether it was by her choice oh, or not.
1: Oh, I got the goosebumps.
0: Hannah's body was found the next day in Brown County, about 20 miles away from Bloomington, where she was last seen. And at Hannah's feet, police found a cell phone, which belonged to a 50-year-old man named Daniel Messel. When police went to his home, they found him carrying a bag of men's clothes covered with blood. And they also found blood in his Kia Sportage. And it was determined that Hannah died from blunt force trauma to her head. And he pled guilty to that. But he maintained that he had nothing to do with Lauren's disappearance. And many people thought that the similarities between Hannah and Lauren's case were really eerily similar. Mm -hmm. But the private investigator hired by Lauren's parents has concluded that the similarities are just coincidental. In January of 2016, the FBI and other police agencies investigated a property about 20 miles north of Bloomington after receiving a lead, but nothing came of that search either. And to this day, Lauren has not been found. Her case is still open, and there's been no new leads. And her parents have expressed frustration that the stuff they talk about today is the exact same stuff they talked about the day after she went missing. They know no more now than they did back then. And I cannot imagine how frustrating that is.
1: Man, that's crazy.
0: Yeah, so if you take anything away from this case, ladies, don't ever leave a place alone. Don't ever let your friend leave a place alone. Even if you safely get them into a cab, you can't trust cab drivers, Uber drivers. You Come on, if you're listening to true crime, you should know better. Amen to that. Please don't ever. Because I've learned
1: so much from listening to this podcast. Yes.
0: Please don't ever let a friend leave alone. If you see someone leaving alone, like just, you know, speak up.
1: And pay attention to your surroundings. And like to everybody listening, you should pay attention to things like the Scott Peterson thing we learned. You know, if you notice, I think it was that one. I don't know. There was also the one where the person was taken out of Skidmore. You, yeah. If you see trucks or random things happening, like it's not a, yes. it's not a bad idea to take a note down be or vigilant. something.
0: Yes. Yeah, be aware because people are shitty and they do shitty things, and then people get in trouble. And I would rather be the person that stepped up and like had information, or you know, maybe protected someone from being in a shitty situation, than just be a passerby and just like standing by and watching.
1: And, and like. Uh, This is... Okay, Like something in the stimulus here recently Mm -hmm. was they were gave $40 million, I think, or I don't know, some random huge amount of money to the Kennedy Center to prevent teen drinking and to prevent teen sexual activity, which I think is the stupidest thing ever, because that stuff's going to happen either way, and it really starts in the household. Mm -hmm. And so I know you can't control this, but damn, try to raise your kids to not... Yes. Get belligerent, stupid, drunk. Yeah. Because I went to school with people who just got belligerent, stupid, drunk all the time and repeatedly in like the dumbest situations ever. And many it's the times, girls who are
0: like don't do many it. times they're girls like, super duper strict and act like they're
1: there's a the level parents
0: who act like their kids don't do with anything that, bad. Yeah,
1: there's like this. I don't know. Like, and I know parenting is the hardest thing in the world, but like, gosh, like I don't know how you can prevent that. But sheesh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't Anyways. Know.
0: The buddy system, I guess.
1: Use the buddy system. Yes. Mama mystery out. Bye.